Tech Policy Podcast, your source for policy discussions and the occasional profanity. I'm Evan Schwarzschrauber, your host. On today's show, don't fuck with my call of duty. Could net neutrality regulations hamper the experience of an online video gamer? Should video gamers even care about net neutrality? Joining me to discuss this is Tom Struvel, Policy Counsel at Tech Freedom. Tom, thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me, Evan. Excited to be back on the show. So, uh, as listeners might know, we've talked about this on the show before, but just to bring everyone up to speed, uh, in June, the FCC's reclassification of broadband as a telecommunications service took effect. And since then, we've had these rules on the books. And some of these rules were uncontroversial, uh, basic net neutrality rules like don't block internet traffic, don't discriminate unreasonably, etc. But there was one rule that was controversial, and that's what video gamers should care about. That's the complete blanket ban on a paid prioritization, meaning that uh, if your video game company wanted to pay to make your experience better, perhaps, that would be illegal. So Tom, you're a video gamer. I play video games as well. Why should video gamers care about what the FCC did and net neutrality in general? Well, yes, uh, I am a video gamer. I have been uh, my whole life. Grew up in a sleepy town in the middle of Kansas, so played a lot of video games growing up. Uh, and they got a lot better once, I guess, around high school, college, once they came out with online gaming, like Xbox Live, PlayStation Network, um, and the like. Uh, and those are actually the games that are most harmed by the ban on pay prioritization, because if you're just playing a game you know, locally or some game online by yourself, it doesn't matter as much if there's delay or latency. But when you're playing multiplayer games where there's someone on the other end and you need a clean connection between the two of you to have a good gaming experience, then the ban on pay prioritization really starts to hurt you because you run into things like lag and jitter, which in certain games, like I'm particularly fond of FIFA, the EA Sports uh, soccer game, but first-person shooters like Call of Duty or Halo um, and the like are also very, I guess, sensitive to latency and lag, and they can really uh, ruin your gaming experience from my perspective. I know personally I've lost many a game of uh, FIFA just because there was lag at a crucial moment and I fluffed my lines and you know messed up a shot or let in a goal, and I get pretty frustrated, but... Yeah, I, I also play video games, and I would say there's not a single video gamer, no matter how good your internet connection is, that hasn't experienced what uh, you'll hear is lag. And and like you say, it, it really matters that you have a seamless connection to the other person when you're playing a video game, and even the slightest drop in connection, or we, you know, we talk about the internet in terms of packets, you know, think of packets as like internet units, and and if packets get dropped, you know, on a on a Skype call or on a video call or when you're watching a Netflix video, that matters a lot. And that really can impact your experience. And one of the ways that companies could mitigate that would be paid prioritization. So Tom, explain how, let's say Call of Duty, the game developer or Xbox itself or Sony, how could they work with an internet provider to get rid of lag potentially? Well, uh, these are all hypothetical um, you know, business arrangements at this point because no, as far as I know, no one in the U.S. is offering this. Although there was an ISP a few years ago in the U.K. actually that offered premium access to uh, uh, Blizzard's online servers. The MMORPG games like World of Warcraft, uh, they explicitly went out and offered these curated services to try and get at gamers. Um, and I, I 
I mean, I guess I'm not from the UK. You can ask someone there whether, how well it did in the market. But nobody here in the US is really allowed to do this because under the guise of net neutrality, the FCC imposed this blanket ban on paid prioritization. So I think in this case, you look at the, um, the companies that host the online gaming platforms, such as Xbox, which is owned by Microsoft, Sony PlayStation, owned by Sony, uh, Nintendo, they, I think they also have an online gaming platform, although I don't um, use uh, have a Nintendo anymore. But uh, others like Steam also offer online gaming over a single platform where you're live interacting with other people in real time. And those are the experiences that would really benefit from paid prioritization because they're so sensitive to lag and latency. Um, if you think about, I mean, internet services, as you mentioned earlier, are mainly done through packet switching. Your internet traffic is broken up into little packets, and those are routed from your, you know, the beginning to your destination, maybe along one line, maybe along a bunch of different lines. But it's all kind of random. Uh, it's stochastic is the word, I guess, that mathematicians use to describe it. Uh, so it, you don't really know. You can't anticipate traffic flows because they're so dynamic. You don't know when you're going to have congestion or when you're going to have um, open lanes, as it were. And so ISPs, uh, you, I mean, if they were just doing best efforts traffic, how the Internet originally arose, you just push every packet as it came in and... If you had more packets coming in than you could push, you'd have to drop some of them, and then the service would read, uh, send a second request for those packets. They'd eventually arrive, um, and depending on which service it is, maybe you'd notice the lag latency from the packet loss, or maybe you wouldn't. And what you're really getting, what you're really getting at here is the idea that not all internet traffic either is created equal or should be created equal. Because like you just said, there are services where you drop a packet and you're not going to notice it. For example... I'm browsing Wikipedia. I'm clicking on links. If some nanosecond of worth of packets gets dropped, I'm not going to notice that because my page is still going to load faster than I can possibly notice a difference. But something like a FIFA online video game, like you say, even the smallest interruption, you know, as you say, you get too many packets, so you have to drop some, that congestion, that could ruin the game. So one of the, the rallying cries of the net neutrality movement has been, all internet traffic must be treated the same. And that just doesn't make sense from an engineering standpoint. And you, uh, in a post on our website uh, titled, Not All Traffic is Treated Equally or Created Equally, you've explained that that's never really how the internet worked and it's never how it was meant to work and it's not how it should work. So talk a little bit about how the it doesn't really make sense for the internet to, to, to be treated, all traffic to be treated exactly the same. Right. So as I was saying, uh, as I understand it, originally the Internet was just totally on a best efforts basis. Each packet was treated alike, but the Internet, that was, you know, three decades ago. The Internet has evolved a lot since then, and there's a lot, there's new services online. You're not just loading web pages or doing email. You're watching live video or doing online gaming or having voice calls, video conferencing. And those are the types of services where you really notice the latency. You know, if your email or your software updates are a few milliseconds late, you don't notice at all. But if there's a bit of lag and, or, you know, a choppy bit of jitter in your voice call, then you notice it immediately. So, and that, this is, yeah, I mean, as you said, not, not and I guess I've said, uh, not all Internet traffic is created equal. Uh, and that's really, it comes down to bit streams. What does it look like in going over the network? If you're talking about loading your email or a software update, those are all really bursty. There's a lot of information that comes through in a little bit short of time and then nothing. 
But when you compare that to like voice calls or online gaming or a live stream and video, those are sustained bit streams. All right, that's packets rolling in continuously over time in, in online gaming, upwards and downwards. Um, so those, I guess, they require different treatment. If those are treated the same as the random bursty traffic that comes through, then the services that require those sustained bit streams are going to suffer, and the bursty traffic is not going to be any better off. So on whole, this is making the network operate less efficiently. Right, and that's a key distinction, the bursty versus the sustained. And, and really, listeners, it's easy to think about. You know, you load a news article. And once you've loaded that news article, you've pretty much completed the internet portion of that. And now what you have is a bunch of text on your screen and you could scroll up and down. But even if you disconnected from the internet, you'd still have the text in front of you because you already loaded it. Whereas if you were watching Netflix and and you turned off your Wi-Fi, of course, the video would stop. So just right there is a perfect illustration of how not all bits work the same and how a blanket rule that says everything needs to be treated equally kind of creates a dumb internet. And one of the big uh, rallying cries, again, of the net neutrality movement was that paid prioritization is a zero-sum game. That if a company like Xbox or Sony wanted to prioritize its bits for FIFA, that that would somehow harm others. Tom, is it true that that internet traffic is a zero-sum game and that if a internet provider speeds up one thing, that it's automatically going to mean everything else suffers? Well, happy to get into the game theory of it all, uh, but... One quick clarification, uh, because you used Netflix as an example, and that is a good example that the, the single biggest source of internet traffic during peak hours now in the U.S. Um, and it's live and it's video, which takes up a lot of bandwidth, is sensitive to latency and jitter, but it's not live video. Most Netflix videos are cached either locally at your ISP's head end in a connection point or somewhere else in the network on a Netflix server. Those aren't live bits in the same way that like, if you're streaming uh, Premier League soccer match through NBC's uh, Live Sports Extra app. Those are live bits, so if they don't come through on time and you get a bit of jitter, you, that moment is lost forever. It's not going to buffer and then start again, or maybe it will, or maybe it's just going to jump ahead a few frames and then you've missed a key moment in the game and you can't get it back. Um, so even, even amongst video, there's different types uh, in terms of what sort of treatment it needs from the network. Um, but I guess to your, to your question, uh, internet traffic management, uh, is, uh, as I mentioned, it's stochastic and random. So it's not like any prioritization given to one packet necessarily deprioritizes some other packet. All right. It doesn't work perfectly in terms of game theory to make a zero sum game because traffic and, uh, I guess capacity is not a static, um, thing. It's very dynamic and stochastic. So, but uh, even if it were a static game and you talk about, you know, one service can only get priority at the expense of another, of another service, that may sort of resemble a zero-sum game, but it's really not because you have to think about the experience of the user and the impact that prioritization has on the experience of the user. If you're prioritizing a, a service that needs priority, then you're greatly increasing the experience of the end user. Whereas if you're, and then if you're deprioritizing something like email or software updates that doesn't really need priority treatment, then the experience of the end user is not greatly affected. So on net, you've improved the operation of the network because you're, you know, more, you're greatly pleasing the users of the uh, priority services and you're not really hurting the users of, you know, 
the other basic services on the internet. Yeah, and there's an important point that you also have made, uh, which is that ISPs or internet providers are not always the problem when you're having a, a bad experience online. So, for example, I get 100 megabits in my house, which is more than enough to do pretty much anything I could want, including my roommates. We could all have, you know, laptops, iPads, and video games all going at the same time. And theoretically, that 100 megabits should be plenty. But of course, it doesn't matter how fast your internet connection is, there's going to be issues on the network, and it's not always the ISP. But the net neutrality movement really took advantage of that assumption that no matter what happens, any interruption, any bad experience is the internet provider is to blame. But that's an oversimplification, right, Tom? It, it's not always that the broadband provider is causing the issue. Uh, how, how is it that uh, there's, there's multiple possible explanations for why your FIFA game isn't working properly. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, as I guess consumer reports uh, have shown in recent years, ISPs are amongst the most hated companies in America because every time someone's on the internet and something goes wrong, immediately they blame their ISP because that's the person they know, they have a relationship with them, they assume that anything that goes wrong is you know, somewhat at least their fault. Uh, and sometimes it is. Uh, they're, you know, they're not perfect. They're all um, just, you know, companies trying to do a good job serving people. But they are not always to blame. Yeah, sometimes it's deeper in the network. It may be at some interconnection point uh, where the ISP is half of it, half of the equation. But then there's also the transit provider or the peer that is the other half. And maybe the problem's on their end. Maybe they're having internal network difficulties or they need to pay to upgrade their connection uh, capacity because they're sending more traffic than they uh, than their I guess current connection can allot for, and so they're dropping a lot of packets. Uh, not to mention, I guess the problem could be on the content providers' end. So they could have a glitch in their server. They could be under some DDoS attack. I mean, you never really know um, what the cause or the root of the problems is. Uh, so that's. I guess a major issue that was uh, brought to bear in this case, because if you look back at like the John Oliver uh, last week tonight skit, uh, which was, I guess, a main driving force behind all the millions of comments sent into the FCC, uh, he essentially demonized Comcast, which is not, I guess, hard to do. They're, again, one of the most uh, disliked companies. Uh, but not always for good reason. In that case, it was they were blaming Comcast for allegedly throttling Netflix, and they showed a graph um, that illustrated Netflix's, uh, I think it was throughput, uh, over several months, and it was very low until the point where they decided to directly interconnect with Comcast, which is to say that they put a server inside Comcast network, and then they just serve the shows from that server right into Comcast network. Uh, but And I guess that was used by them to rally all these minions to file these comments, but it later came to light that the throttling was not actually being done at even the interconnection point or within Comcast Network, but it was being done by their transit provider. Uh, I believe it was Cogent, uh, who was actually through some new SDN, uh, Software Defined Networking application, they changed their software to deprioritize wholesale services, which in that case included Netflix. So when Netflix was connecting to Comcast Network through Cogent, uh, I think it was their transit provider, then the users were getting a throttled experience and they blamed Comcast, but in fact, Comcast was not to blame. It was Netflix and Cogent, their partner, who, yeah. Right. 
basically it, it, the the idea is that it's not always what it seems and to just the knee-jerk reaction to just blame your ISP for a bad experience is could be an oversimplification and really it's hard for the end consumer to know exactly what's going on so they're going to take the shortcut and just blame whoever it's easiest to blame and of course these companies also have a checkered history with customer service so that didn't help sure. at all either but one thing i wanted to ask you about too is that the FCC put a blanket ban on paid prioritization, but let's let's you know theoretically we remove the word paid. What if a company wanted to, or an internet provider wanted to just across the board prioritize all video game traffic? So not picking just Call of Duty or just FIFA. They just say to the you know a non-discriminatory way, every single video game is going to be treated better. Would that be illegal if no money is changing hands, if it's unpaid prioritization? Well, it's a good question. Uh, unfortunately, the answer I can give you is maybe uh, because the FCC's rules are somewhat vague and open-ended. They provide the FCC with a lot of discretion to be the referee on the field or the cop on the beat to identify some practice and say, you know, oh, no, this is, this is violating our rules or maybe our general conduct standard. Uh, which is the no unreasonable discrimination amongst edge providers and their effort to reach consumers. Um, basically, I mean, yes, you're right that in paid prioritization, the word paid uh, implies that there's payment flowing from the content provider to the ISP. Uh, and that's what it says in the rules. Uh, payment can be any form of consideration, monetary or otherwise. So that means that if the ISP is paying the edge provider, uh, that, I mean, that would be different. I guess the rules uh, aim to get the opposite. Uh, these well-heeled edge providers paying for priority treatment by ISPs. The rule bans that. But it doesn't cover just payment. It covers cons any form of consideration. So it doesn't have to be monetary. It could be anything that, you know, satisfies the, I guess, the um, requirements for consideration under contracts law. It can be as little as a peppercorn, or it could be something intangible, like a legal right. So say, hypothetically, that your ISP wants to strike a deal with Microsoft to give their users premium access to Xbox, to Xbox Live. They could do that, but if they want to advertise and actually tell consumers, hey, we've got this new product, we think you'll like it, and they use Microsoft's trademark and say, we've got Xbox Live, then all of a sudden the ISP has used the trademark and that's a legal right, I guess, because that, that's infringement if they don't have Microsoft's permission to use that. And it's not fair use, and it wouldn't be if they're using it for commercial purposes. Uh, so that's enough right there to get them back under the paid prioritization ban because they've, they are using the trademark of one of these companies to try and increase their own business. Uh, the lack of clarity in and of itself is an issue because obviously if, if – if like you say, if it's not clear whether unpaid prioritization is okay or whether it would be illegal because of monetary considerations or non-monetary considerations, it's really hard for a company to experiment with this business model. And as you say, in the UK, they had something like this, but in the US, we didn't have anything like this. And even before the rules were adopted, the companies hadn't experimented with this. But now it would be very unlikely for them to experiment with this because they don't know if they would run afoul of the FCC's general conduct standard, which is basically just a vague fairness consideration where they judge things on a case-by-case -case basis. And if I'm a company and, I'm, and I want to explore this space, 
why would I bother if I have no idea, no certainty for my investors and, and my business people and my engineers that what they're doing would not just be made illegal at some time in the future. That's really the problem with permissionless innovation. It's more like permission comma less innovation because every company that wants to do this is going to have to go to the FCC and say, okay, this is what we want to do and is this okay? And it, it really, it, it just doesn't comport with that just experimentation entrepreneurship that has made the internet so great. And it really, there's a notion that the only, only innovation can happen at the edge, that only companies that provide content, like your Tumblrs and your Etsys and things like that, they can be innovative. But the internet providers, that should just be a dumb pipe that just treats all the traffic the same and no innovation should happen there. So that's where you get into the picking winners and losers issue too. But uh, Tom, I mean, we are close to potentially a decision on the litigation over the legality of these net neutrality rules. So uh, what, what should video gamers be looking out for in the next week or coming months to see whether, is there a potential that uh, the courts will make it possible for paid prioritization? Well, uh, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Evan, uh, in getting at the, I guess, the lack of clarity around here is really the biggest issue right now because there's so much regulatory uncertainty because of this drastic shift in regulatory policy at the FCC, the ongoing litigation. If I were an edge provider, an ISP, thinking about developing some new service that might violate these rules, I'd be holding off on it, right? As you say, like, this is not permissionless innovation, the mantra that the internet and all the app economy was founded on. Uh, this is the opposite. This is mother may I try to innovate. Oh, is it okay? Are we going to harm, you know, these, you know, abstract, obscure interests that you've put forward? Uh, yeah, that's the situation we're in. Uh, at least until the court decision comes down, which could happen any day we hear. Uh, and actually, the outcome of that could have a direct impact on the pay prioritization game uh, or the pay prioritization issue for gamers. The court could strike down the Title II reclassification of Wireline, which would perhaps remove the rules. The rules were alternatively based on Section 706 of the 96 Act, which provides, the FCC says, uh, pretty much unbounded authority to do whatever it thinks will promote broadband. It's a whole other can of worms we can get into some other time. But the paid prioritization ban was not specifically challenged, but it was put forward as the basis under uh, for the FCC's Title II reclassification. So it is up for, I guess, debate or decision uh, in the D.C. Circuit's opinion and I think it was Judge Williams who actually expressed a good amount of concern and skepticism about the FCC's ban on paid prioritization because he identified, as we have here, several forms of Internet traffic and services that could greatly benefit from prioritization. Uh, but that was, I mean, somewhat a, an ancillary issue in the overall court challenge, which is more about the legal authority for these rules, the Title II reclassification, uh, than the particular rules, which many of the providers and ISPs were actually somewhat willing to live with, uh, at least in their earlier form, the uh, form put forward in the NPRM in uh, May of 2014, uh, promoting the commercially reasonable standard from the FCC's previous mobile data roaming order in Selco, which was approved by the court. Right, and that was and that was the proposal that uh, net neutrality advocates said was just didn't go far enough, and that's what led to the John Oliver bit and why we're here today. But uh, video gamers, listeners, uh, this is certainly not a settled issue, and uh, while current law 
kind of out or outlaws this entire potential class of innovation uh, on the network. Uh, we might be seeing a reversal of that or at least some change or maybe some legislation down the line. And certainly in Europe, they've taken a different approach that seems to at least allow for some experimentation with this. So uh, certainly we'll be having a podcast after the decision comes down to discuss it and uh, we'll make sure to update video gamers on what it means for them. Uh, but that's it for today's show. Tomorrow on our website, we will have a video called Don't Fuck With My Call of Duty that explains this in a uh, short, very snazzy, exciting way. So uh, look out for that. And uh, look out for a blog post from Tom that will also be delving into this a little bit more and uh, how explaining how not all bits are created equal. Uh, Tom, thank you so much for joining the show. Thanks for having me again, Evan. Always a pleasure. Follow us on Twitter at Tech Freedom or on Facebook.com slash Tech Freedom. Find this podcast in the iTunes store on your favorite podcast app. If you like what you hear, please leave us a review. It will help us and will help others find the show. Thank you for listening and keep on playing video games. The Tech Policy Podcast is produced and distributed by Tech Freedom, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank in Washington, D.C. To learn more about our work, make a tax-deductible donation, or find other episodes, Find us online at techfreedom.org.